0: My hope is in the Lord, Lord, who
1: gave himself for for me. Hi, I'm John Heminghouse, speaking for the Beacon of Hope broadcast, a ministry of Calkins Baptist Church. Today's look at the life of Christ takes us to an encounter Jesus had with a man afflicted with the horrifying disease of leprosy. This suffering man believed Jesus could heal him, but he was just not sure if Jesus would choose to do so. Certainly God is not a mere Santa Claus who will give us whatever we want as long as we're not too bad. The issues of our lives have both just consequences and eternal meaning behind them that we often cannot see from our limited earthly perspective. Still the question, does God care about my need, is the one that people down throughout the ages have asked themselves. And Pastor Jones will address this issue from our text for today. So, if you have a Bible you can access nearby, why not turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter eight, verses one through four, and let's study together the simple question: Does God care about my need? Turn with me, please. Let's go with me to Matthew chapter eight.
0: I'm just going to read verses one to four, and um, this is the shortest of three different accounts that um, are found of this same incident in the in the New Testament. Said When he was come down from the mountain, and this is speaking of Jesus, great multitudes followed him. Behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will, be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, See thou tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And let's ask God's blessing upon his word. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to study your word together. We thank you for the joy of doing it. We ask that you'll open our hearts and minds to understand your word and how it applies to our lives. Lord, there's something essential that we need to understand about your character and about our response to it. It comes out of this passage, and so we pray that you'll guide us, Lord, and please help me to be able to be clear enough that people can understand what your word has to say and that we might apply it, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, have you ever noticed, those of you that have been reading through the scriptures and maybe you're not super familiar with them, that you come across, when you read the Gospels especially, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you come across accounts that you say, well, I've read this before. And you wonder, why am I reading it again? Well, it's it's sort of like um, when you're looking at the Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, it's like you're looking at um, an incident from three or four different vantage points, depending on, sometimes an account's found only once in the Gospel, sometimes it's found twice, sometimes it's found three times, or accounts that are actually found in all four of the Gospels. And so if you consider, um, here's the four corners, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're all looking at an incident from a different vantage point. All right. Now, what they're not doing is they're not contradicting each other, uh, but they're just giving you some details that maybe you wouldn't get. Uh, there's a couple reasons for it uh, from their vantage point. So they're focusing primarily, by the way, on Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. That's where all four Gospels are going to hone in. It's rather interesting to begin to look at when the Gospels start talking about the crucifixion of Christ. And it's, you'd be surprised, it's quite early in, in many of them. And uh, for instance, John will devote basically from chapter, let's see, 13 through the end of the book. Okay, which is uh, almost half of his let's see it's a, uh, it's, a it's a probably a th- better than a third of his book um, to basically the last night of Jesus betrayal through it through the resurrection I mean it's just it's amazing how he covers uh, those accounts and then a few things after the resurrection so the gospel writers they're going to focus on that but they're also, they're, they're going to give you different angles of the same event for a specific reason. For instance, again, let me put the four Gospels up. Matthew is writing his Gospel basically with the Jewish people in mind. All right? So they're going to need to know, does Jesus fit the prophecies of the Old Testament about the Messiah? All right? And so he will constantly come back to the fact of who Christ, uh, how he's a fulfillment of Scripture, and he uses a lot of those accounts. He's the one that gives the genealogy of Jesus from, from uh, Abraham, briefly just mentions him, then especially from David to Jesus. Why? Because that's the Messiah's lineage. Now, Mark is writing more to a Roman audience. His is the shortest of the gospel. I think the Romans had a very similar mindset to us today in the fact that they're people of action. And if you ever notice, if you've traveled outside the United States and then you come back to America, you notice that that we're on a different level as far as activity goes. And so a lot of other countries are laid back and there's nothing wrong with that, a little bit slower paced. And you get to the United States, it's like shoo, everything. Well, the Romans are like that. They're people of action. And so shortest gospel, matter of fact, some of the major words that Mark seems to repeat are the words and, the words straightway or immediately, um, and so Mark's writing to that audience. Luke specifically addresses his book to a guy uh, by the name of Theophilus, who's a Greek. And so he's writing with the Greek mindset and trying to explain the gospel to an audience that would come from the Greek mindset. And then John, is his target audience is the world. Now, because of the fact that each of these writers They may be talking about some of the same accounts, but they're giving a little bit different angle because of who they're writing to. So for instance, the theme of of Matthew is Jesus is the King of the Jews. He's the fulfillment of the messianic promises of of the Christ that would come. Mark is presenting Jesus as the suffering servant, the servant of the Lord who is is suffering for the Father and is willing to lay down his life for us. Uh, Luke is presenting Jesus as the Son of Man, and so he is, the humanity of Christ comes out in Jesus, uh, in, in the Gospel of Luke, and then John presents Christ as the Son of God. And so those different angles that they're coming at present some slightly different ways in which they'll deal with even the same account. So, uh, for instance, what I did is, and I, I, I'm probably not going to do this in most of the, uh, when we deal with these different um messages on what Jesus did but I think in this particular case it'd be helpful for you to see kind of what what go what you can do I stacked up there's three different Gospels that this is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke What I did is I stacked the three accounts next to each other and I was looking for What different details you get from Matthew? What different details you get from Mark? What different details you get from Luke? So um, how I did it was Matthew's unique details They're going to be in yellow Mark is going to be in green, and Luke is going to be in blue. I'm sorry, Luke was uh, like a like a like a pink. And then the common things uh, I left alone. So what I did is I've just synthesized all three accounts, so you can hear and see what um, what uh, is said. So here is is how these accounts would read if you put all the details together. It says when he had come down from the mountain. Great multitudes followed him. We read that. That was Matthew's unique con- contribution, by the way, that nobody else put down. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Now, Luke gives us something. So when uh, he was in a certain city, we didn't know that except Luke told us that. So he not only comes out of a mountain, but he encounters this leper evidently in a city. It says that, behold, a man who was full of leprosy, Luke, who's a doctor, tells us not just that he's a leper, but he's full of it. He's full of leprosy. Saw Jesus. And behold, the leper came and worshiped him. What you see in white was pretty well common between the three accounts. And notice Mark adds, kneeling down to him. Luke adds, he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. All the Gospels have that. That's an essential thing. They go on. Then Jesus moved with compassion. Mark adds that detail. And when he says moved with compassion, he got emotional about this very possibly the Lord got choked up about this. He's moved with compassion, he stretched out his hand and touched him, they all tell us that, and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed and he strictly warned him and sent him away at once. Now notice, by the way, Mark is, uh, Mark's detail is, is, again, he's always about immediate things. And said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony unto them. Now Mark adds this, however, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and spread the matter. Luke tells us the report went around concerning him all the more, and Mark adds, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city. So Jesus now is had to restrict his ministry because this guy told so many people, that the multitudes were flocking to Christ all over the place, but outside he was outside in in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. So he, Jesus is still having multitudes come, but he has to stay away from the cities. And now um, we get this deep deal from Luke to hear and to be healed of him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. So that's the entire account from all of those three different angles. So what we're going to do. And again, I won't do this normally because I, I really like you to follow along exactly where I'm at. But I'm going I'm to synthesize those three accounts that we've just done. And we're going to look at this story, this account, in detail. So let's notice that first part of it. When he had come down from a mount, from a mountain, a great multitudes followed him. What I'd like to ask you is this. What mountain did Jesus come down from? That's where you're, you're in Matthew right now. Okay? Go back with me to chapter 5. And let's see which mountain he's talking about. There's not a specific mountain named, but there is something specific that you want to understand. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, what are you noticing about Matthew 5, 6, and 7, if you have a red-letter Bible especially. It's all Christ's words. Does anybody know this very famous sermon that Jesus preached? It's called the Sermon on the Mount. That's exactly right, the Sermon on the Mount. And that ends in Matthew chapter 7, verse 27. Okay, that's his last words. And then chapter eight verse one says, "When he was come down from the mountain." So Jesus had just got done preaching the Sermon on the Mount. That's an important detail. All right. Now it says, "Also great multitudes followed him." We're going to think we're going to hang out of that one too. There's another thing I want to get, and then we'll start looking at some. We'll break this down. It says again, where this Luke adds this, there was a when he was in a certain city, that behold a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus. Okay. So I want you to think with me for a second at some reasons why Jesus might not have helped this man. Why would Jesus have every excuse not to help him? Well, first of all, I want you to consider this this fact that he's just come down from the mountain. Doing what? What was he doing up there? He was preaching. Now, I can't tell you how Jesus felt. He's uh, younger than me by some amount. But I would say that when I'm done on a Sunday morning, and I've preached a message, I'm I'm a little I'm a little beat. Not now, not totally. I, believe me, I used to, and and I'd be happy if, if God ever directed again where we do the services. We have Sunday, uh, eight thirty, and then we'd have Sunday school. Then we've had uh, eleven o'clock, and there's times when when I've had the privilege, and it is a privilege, to be able to do all three. But I will tell you that that it's not merely a physical thing that when you're preaching the word of God, but there's an emotional spiritual thing in the fact that, that there's a weight of wanting to communicate God's word to eternal souls, your souls, and it matters. And I can just tell you from a pastor's perspective that yes, preaching the word of God is a great privilege, but it is an emotional and physical, it is a, it is a stress, and uh, the privilege way outweighs it, but when Christ comes off that mountain, in all probability, he's tired. So I would submit to you that Jesus is very busy when this leper comes up to him. Now, I want you to think about something else. It says, great multitudes followed him. What hindrance might that have made toward him helping this leper? I heard, what was that, Pat? Pat? Yeah, constant, Pat's saying constant questions and people wanting access. That's true. That's true. Multitudes finally, a lot of people want access to the Lord at this point. You're exactly right. And I'll tell you this, if you've ever been in that type of situation, you feel like you can't help everybody. I think that is a a real problem. Uh, By the way, I'll just say this little story out of Abraham Lincoln's life. One time a friend of his came to see Lincoln in the White House. This is, um, I forget where I read this. And Lincoln says, okay, so so they talked a few minutes and howdy and et cetera. He says, what did you want? And the guy said, I didn't want anything. I just wanted to see, see it, spend some time with you. He said, Lincoln wept. It had been so long since anybody had just really wanted to be around him and didn't want something. Steve, you're going to say something.
1: Yeah. Um, it, was a, it was amazing that the guy
0: even got here. It is. Uh, yeah, we're coming to that. That's exactly right. With leprosy... Karen, what were you going to say? You're going to say something? You're going to hit on that? The fact is, the leper could drive the multitude away. Highly contagious. Luke tells us he's full of it. It's not just he's got a spot here or there. This guy is a mess. So we have to say that with these multitudes following him, and, and everybody wants access, like Pat was saying, Jesus is extremely popular here and the leper is not. The leper is somebody, again, in a city situation, all the more this is difficult because everybody has to basically stay away from the leper so Jesus could actually be hindering other people from following him if he spends time with the leper. Hunter, are you going to say something? Can you imagine that? So Christ could be saying to himself, well, well, why do I really want to you know, if 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 I if I stop and help him, it it might drive away these other ten or twenty people or or a hundred people. What were the rules concerning leprosy? There's a whole chapter devoted to it in Leviticus. Shanna, it was you had to, you were, yeah, you were as long as you were contagious, and you could go through stages of it, but you had to stay away from people. Tony. You had to yell unclean. If you if you had if you had leprosy and it was it was open and etc. You had to yell unclean. People had basically would scatter from you because again it's 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 like a, a slow death sentence. And so Christ, for reaching out to this guy and giving him access, could actually be hindering access to a bunch of other people. Let's go on with the accounts. We're going to put them together again. Behold, a leper came and worshipped him, kneeling down. He fell on his face, Luke adds, and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. So let's talk about how the leper asked Christ for help. How about this idea that he comes? Do you see anything in that statement that he came? I'm sorry? He is showing an, an, an issue of faithfulness. He is showing courage. Shanna's pointing out courage because, like she's saying, people could have been very angry with him for coming up to the Lord because they've all got to move. And he also, hey, if you were a leper, and I, again, I'm not in his spot. But I just know that there have been times when I wanted to talk to somebody, but I didn't want to go through the... Um, I didn't want to wait or didn't want to go through the embarrassment. I didn't want to maybe bother the person. And so you kind of think, well, I really would like to talk to him, but if it didn't work out real easily, you kind of walk. Have you ever done that? I've done it on more than one occasion where you wanted to say something, but you just, you know, it just seemed like a bunch of other people were in line. and So I felt like I'm not going to take this person's time. I would just put it to you this way. He acted. You know what I'm saying? He could have just said, oh, I wish I could get to Jesus. I wish I, no, there's, there's no way. People are just going to be mad at me. They're going to be angry with me. Uh, I, 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 can't, I can't go through that. He, he, he could have sat on the fence, and, and, and but he got up and he acted. This is my chance to be healed. And it didn't matter what anybody else said. What mattered is he needed to get to Jesus. And so he acted. I want you to think about this one, this statement. And worshiped him, kneeling down to him, fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. What do you see in that? You're seeing faith. That's exactly right. Joe. That's exactly right. He believed. He believed this. He believed that Jesus had the ability to heal him. Now, what was he a little bit uncertain about? Whether he would. I know you can, if you're willing. Have you ever been there? You've said to yourself, you know, I do believe. I do believe that the Lord can help me here. I do believe he can help me. I'm just not sure what his mind is, if he wants to. On this situation. There's nothing wrong with asking the Lord that question. Lord, do you want? What's your will? Because sometimes God's will is bigger than what we can see. It always is. But sometimes he has a higher purpose. A different timing. So we see how the leper asked Christ for help. Let me go back and now look at another statement here. We put the accounts together. Then Jesus moved with compassion. I want you to think, our Lord wept on many occasions in the scripture. This is one of those times where he has moved with compassion. Stretched out his hand and touched him. I want you to think about that. And said to him, I am willing. Be cleansed. And immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. So let's talk for a moment about how Christ responded to this leper's plea. Let's take that first statement. Jesus moved with compassion. What do you see? Obviously, there. It's pretty easy. He cared. He's not just. Um, he's not just. Uh, well, I, I'll show you a picture after a little bit here of a of a baseball player signing an autograph. And I'm glad they do that. I think it's nice. I think it's pretty disrespectful when you got somebody who's too you know high and fluted to not do that but to be honest with you when you sign somebody's autograph and you hand it to a kid and you say something you're talking to him for five or ten seconds you're really not concerned about that person all that much you're showing some love and some respect but Jesus is not merely signing this guy's autograph he's not merely just changing he's, he's understanding where this guy's coming from as only God could he'd understand what, what he's been through He's moved with this situation, with this man suffering. It bothers him. He really does care. Think about this statement. He stretched out his hand and touched him. What do you think about that? Okay, he's close enough. He's, he, he's, he, what are you, he's not social distance at this point, is he? Okay, somebody else was saying something over here. Mike. He does have the power to do it. But there's a problem with touching him. Joe. They could they could shun Christ because they thought he contracted. Well Valerie were saying what? I heard almost I heard he acted with selflessness. He had more concern for the other person. He does act with selflessness, you're right. If this guy is full of leprosy, how long do you think it's been since he was touched? What does human touch do? What do we communicate when someone touches us? What's that? Love. Acceptance. Comfort. Compassion. I remember this one lady, I don't know if I... I don't remember who it was. I don't know if it was a person I knew personally or saw on television, I forget. But she, she was in the habit of, of in, again, this is pre-COVID, but she was in the habit of, of, she worked in a nursing home and she would hug the patients routinely. And she had an insight that I had never thought of until I heard her speak. She said, many of these people have lost their mate. They have not been hugged in years. And that's probably true many of them and she if you're just they, joining us you're listening people, to the just beacon really, broadcast they, they the Ministry of Hawkins Baptist Church and,
1: and, and now to, back to
0: the message and to show welcoming show love compassion Jesus could have just spoken it and he'd done this on other occasions and that guy would have been just as healed as if he hadn't touched him and I so I just put he touched but I I, I you could you could put a number of things there. I'm thinking, what is that community? It's communicating love. It's communicating understanding. It's communicating welcoming the fact that he, he matters. He did not have to do that. But he, d- he decides to touch him. Judy. Us, um, That's right. That's a good point. And Ju- what Judy said is he healed him physically, but he cares about us emotionally. Absolutely. All right, let's take the next statement. He said to him, I am willing. Now think about it. He said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me whole. He says, I am willing. Be cleansed, and immediately his leprosy was cleansed. So what will we say about Jesus here? Don't think too deep. Huh? Loyal love, definitely. I'm just gonna put this, he helped. He stepped in and helped. Let me ask you a question. Do you think Jesus, if you hadn't known the end of the story, would you have expected Christ to do anything other than what he just did? I don't. I think the only thing that would have surprised me would be the touching. The fact that he would actually reach out and touch this guy. But he touches him and he heals him immediately. I'm not surprised that he helped. Can I say this? I'm not surprised when God helps you. I am surprised, all, all too surprised, when he helps me. And I think that one of the lies that Satan loves to put across our minds and hearts without ever letting it come to the surface where we really think logically about it is this. God will help Mark... And God will help Shanna, and God will help Bill, and God will help Hunter, but God won't help me. You ever feel that way? He helped him. Let's look at the next section. And he strictly warned him, and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way. Show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now, what is Christ asking of the leper at this point? Well, let's go back and look at it. He's saying, say nothing to anyone. So what's he asking him to do? Be quiet. Right, be quiet. Why? Why wouldn't the Lord say, Blast this around. Tell everybody what I did for you. He was humble, Bernie. Well, it's an interesting question. I, I can't replay it in my mind the way that it may have happened. Because uh, but Bernie's point is, if with all these people around, a couple things I would say, and that is, if I'm in a large crowd I can't really see. Have you ever been in a large crowd? And you're trying to see what's going on in the middle of? It, it can be very, very difficult. So everybody may not have understood. Like in the thousand of people, or whatever, what's what's happening right there with Jesus and that one particular guy. Second thing is, is a lot of these people declared because of the leper. So you wonder exactly how Christ encounters this guy. Because again, they, when he is near, you can't you can't be near him. It, this is far worse than they would have tried to stay away. So it's interesting. It's hard to play that back in our minds, isn't it? Very good observation. But Jesus is telling them to be quiet about this. Now, we, we can fast forward. We can see that he's, he's thinking about the impact that this is going to have of bringing multitudes more who are going to come to him for what reason? For healing. And they're not really going to come uh, for, for salvation or out of interest in that. And so that, I think, is, is a concern with the Lord. I think Steve's point is good, too, and that is that that the Lord is humble. Let me give you another example of this. If you want to keep your finger here, just go to the next book back, the book of Mark, Mark chapter 5. Jesus uh, rescues uh, a man from d- uh, demonic um, possession. Um, we don't have his name. We only know him as the Maniac of Gadara. My dad often has laughed about that, thinking, you know, what if we see this guy in heaven, oh, you're the maniac. You're the... Yeah, yeah, I know you, read right about you. Well, um, he wanted to to just basically drop everything and, and, and like be a disciple of Jesus. And it's interesting, uh, Matthew, Mark, you're Mark, right? Mark chapter 5, look at verse 18. And when he was coming to the ship, that's Jesus, he's leaving the area. He that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Lord, I'd like to stay with you. Howbeit, Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things I have done for you. Is that what he said? He said, The Lord has done for you. See, this particular guy would be of more benefit witnessing to his own people. He could be a missionary to his own people rather than following in the the footsteps of the twelve. And so Jesus sent him back, but he didn't send him back to tell everybody about Jesus of Nazareth. He sent him back to tell everybody about the Lord. Now, we live after the cross. We tell people about Jesus and and God the Father as well. But isn't it interesting, even in that situation, he's not so much talking about himself as he is about, 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 about God, his Father. And can I say that that when God is doing a work, God draws people. We don't have to promote ourselves. We don't have to be, you know, I did this, I did that. Self-promotion is something the Lord didn't have to, when people's lives are changed, and people's are are different, God calls people. Now we ought to be a witness, absolutely. Tell people what God, but tell people what God has done for us. Then he says, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony unto them. What does that show us about, about Jesus? What's he asking the leper to do? That's exactly right. He's asking him. Right, that's how the law worked. Once you became clean, um, if your leprosy went into remission or whatever, then you would go to the priest. you have to offer a certain sacrifice. He was going to do that. Jesus is saying, obey the law. That's exactly what he's doing. Okay, let's go on in the account then. Luke adds that he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter. And can I ask you a question? Why do you think he did that? I think you're right, Karen. I think he was so happy and excited. And you can imagine, he's yelling, I don't blame him. I'm clean and, and, and look at me and his friends. He comes across a friend. What happened to you? And he just seems to not be able to contain himself. You know, again, this guy may have been overzealous on telling people about the Lord. I think our problem is we're underzealous about telling people about the Lord. And I think a lot of that is because, quite honestly, we don't have a lot to tell that God has done in our lives that we've appreciated. And if you really appreciate your salvation, and if you really appreciate what God's doing in your life, you want to tell people about him. And this guy had a hard time, even though the Lord said, I don't want you to do that right now. He had a hard time keeping that quiet. But he does not tell us to keep our news quiet. He tells he tells us this, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Oops, sorry about that. Preach the gospel to every creature. That's what he tells us to do. And then we learn from, um, that was Mark, however he went out and began to proclaim. Luke tells us that the report went around concerning him all the more which means that it, w- it wasn't just this guy now now the people that he's telling and other people may again like bernie was talking about that probably saw the incident they're all talking about it and so now um we got to see what uh, what the leopard did with christ's command well we, we pretty well know that he spread the matter he did not remain quiet and in most cases that would be appropriate in, in jesus case at this point Um, He was asking him sincerely not to do this, and the report gets even more publicized after that, which means that word continues to spread, but what was the impact then on Christ and his ministry? Actually, um, you'll notice that Mark adds that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, so he just had to stay out of the, the populated areas by and large. Uh, but was outside in deserted places and they came to him from every direction and then were told by Luke to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So let's talk then briefly about how the leper's actions impacted Christ's ministry. And from that first statement, um, that means Jesus is not going to be able to move around as easily now. That there's going to be so many people around that um, he's just not going to be able to Move around easily. And you'll find, you'll find. You know how the feeding of the five thousand takes place? You know how that miracle took place? Jesus and his disciples are on one side of the Sea of Galilee, and they were overrun with people. And so Jesus, thinking of his disciples, said, It'd be good if we got away and rested a while, because they had been out preaching and proclaiming the kingdom. And so he said, Let's let's get away for a little while. And so they got into a boat secretly to go across the Sea of Galilee, which is like a big lake, quite large, and we're going to cross the other side in order to get a little R&R. And what you find is people spotted them leaving. They ran around the outside of the the Sea of Galilee. And as they're going through the towns, they're talking to people. Jesus and his disciples are going that way. And by the time they get on the other side of of that lake, then the the crowds are starting to show up. And that's that's why Jesus began to teach them, which would have been, honestly, his disciples were irritated about this. I don't know if you've read all the accounts of of that miracle. But his disciples were irritated about this because now their vacation turns into a big preaching session. And then they had to serve all those people. The disciples did. They had to put on their waiter hats and serve all those people. Then they had to put on their janitor clothes and they had to clean up. And they were not happy campers. But that is, the, that is what was going on because of things like this leper telling people and, and people coming out of the woodwork to be around Christ. We're also told they came from every direction, which means that um, crowds are coming, obviously, from all over. So why did the people flock to Jesus? We saw two things that were mentioned. Here's the first one, to hear. What were they wanting to hear? They wanted to hear his preaching. They wanted to hear what Jesus was going to teach them. But they also came to be healed by him of their infirmities. And so they're coming as well to be healed and to be helped. And so we have our last part of this account that is added pretty much by Luke. So he he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Now, um, so how did Jesus um, handle this massive uh, popularity that he's now experiencing? What does he do? Well, the first thing we're told is he withdrew himself into the wilderness. What is that telling us about our Lord? It is, I'm sorry? Yeah, you're ahead of me. You're right, Kimmy. That's the next one. You're ahead of me. Very good. He's praying. He does. He needs some time for quiet. Jesus made time to get alone. It's important. Uh, Sometimes I think that's one of the dangers of our generation is is that we can always have media at our fingertips. And if you notice, even when people are standing in line... or You know, Tom Palmer and I were sitting in a restaurant. This is probably maybe four or five years ago. And Tom says, look around and notice how many people are sitting across from each other in, in the restaurant and they're not even talking to each other because they're on their phones. And that's sad. That we we are so we're getting more and more tuned because when your mind needs a chance to think, you really do. You need you need you need to be able to take some time to think. And and if always we have something going through our brains and there's never quiet, that's not a good thing. Our Lord in the midst of tremendous busyness is making time to get alone. And according to what Kim's saying, she's exactly right. He's praying while he's doing it. He's spending that time with God the Father. He's not sitting in yoga positions and All the things that, you know, people are thinking about today, which has a lot of emptiness to it. He's spending time with God. Now, we could go a number of ways with conclusions. I thought about, um, but let let me, let me, I'm going to focus in on one particular one in just a moment. But let's start with, first of all, that Jesus had many reasons why he could have avoided helping this man. We, We saw that earlier. We saw also that the man believed that Jesus could heal him, does not seem to be sure if Jesus would choose to do so, but if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus evidenced both helpfulness and compassion. Again, he's not like the ball player just signing a ball or a hat or a program. He's moved with this man's suffering. So also that if Jesus would be so kind to a man full of leprosy, I believe you have every right to expect that he will be kind to you, too. Not expect in a sense that God owes this to you, but expect in the fact of that's how good God is, that he would care about me. I've written down Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. It was the end of a message that Jesus gave where he said this, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Now think about that. He said, all you. That's recorded in God's word, so you and I can read that today. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Then he says, take my yoke upon you, which is an amazing statement. And we, Again, that yoke is the yoke of an oxen, and the idea is simply this. I will pull with you in life. Enter into my yoke. Become part of me. I'll pull with you. I won't just zap you and, okay, you can now be saved and go on to heaven. I am willing to go with you through life. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. I'm humble. You'll find rest under your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Number five, just as Jesus touched the leper who came to him by faith, you too can expect Jesus to touch your life if you will come to him by faith. And I want to show you some examples as we wrap this up quickly from a certain book of the Bible, the book of Judges. You want to go back in your Old Testament, You leave Matthew behind, we'll not be back. Go very early in your Bible to the book of Judges. I'm just going to kind of walk you through. I just want you to find this book, and if you can, mark it. You get a chance to look at some of these scriptures later. And this idea of crying out to God is a theme that I've been noticing. I've just been going through Judges of My Devotions, and I'm seeing this. I'm I'm awakening to this theme of the Israelites crying out to God, and it gives me great encouragement that I can do the same and you can do the same. And I'd encourage you on this front. First of all, when the nation is reaping consequences of disobedience to God, do you think we're in that spot right now? I do. You and I can cry out to God. Let me just show you some examples. I'll just show you. Othniel's generation did this. Chapter 3, I'll just show you one, one example. I'll, I'll list the other ones for you. Chapter 3, notice if you would, starting with Verse 7 children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and forgot the Lord their God and served Balaam and the groves. That means they got into idolatry. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. He sold them into the hand of, we'll let you pronounce that, king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served him in eight years. And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, there's your statement. You're going to find it repeatedly. When they cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer. To, uh, to deliver the, uh, of the children of Israel who delivered them, even Othniel the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. And so you find this, this pattern developing in the book of Judges. Israel fails as a nation. They get into idolatry. They get into sin. They cry out to God, and God answers. Skip down to verse 15. So, but when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised them up a deliverer. So we see this happening in Othniel's generation. It happened in Deborah's generation, chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. It happens again in Gideon's generation, in chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. It happens again in Jephthah's generation, chapter 10, verses 6 through 10. These are all cases where the nation was being judged by God for its disobedience to the Lord, and, and believing people cried out to God and said, God, you got to help us. And the Lord answered. How about when you have great personal need yourself? I think that's a a wrong... Let me check check that. Chapter 15, verse 18. This is when, if I got it right, yes. When Samson had just won a great victory, but was desperately thirsty. He felt like he was going to die. The Bible says that when he was sore of thirsty, he called on the Lord. The same idea. I call on God. I'm asking God, God, would you meet this need? And you find God answered him. How about when you failed God greatly? You ever feel like that? Samson, toward at the end of his the very end of his life, he's failed the Lord. He got into all kinds of immorality as a result of following pagan women. He he now has been humiliated, his eyes have been poked out, he's lost his strength before God. Go to chapter 16, verse 28. And Samson called unto the Lord. And said, Oh Lord God, remember me. I pray thee, strengthen me, yet I pray thee only this once. He's saying, God, would you hear me again? And what did God say? The same thing that he said to the leper, I will. I will, I am willing to hear you again. God gave him strength one more time. Let me close by giving you a warning and a principle. The principle is this. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. As long as you're hanging on to your pride, as long as you're hanging on to, it's my life, I want to do with it what I want to. I'm not willing to give up this sin, God. I'm not willing to come to you and be honest with you until you're really on your face before God like that leper was. And and in submission to God, that's when you'll find God's grace and his mercy. James four six is just one example. There's several places in the scripture you'll find this. But the principle is this. God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. That leper comes to Jesus in humility. He says, Jesus, I know you can do something. Will you? And Jesus said, I am willing. Here's your warning. Do not fail to turn to God. In humility and truth. Don't be... The leper who stands back and says, well, I'd really like to talk to Jesus, but I'm just not willing to do it. Let me take you to this passage in closing, Amos chapter 4. And I want you to let the words of the prophet rest on your heart here as we close. God's speaking to the nation again. He says, I, "I'm Amos chapter 4, I'm starting at verse 6. If you can, turn, if you can find it, it's worth your turn. He says, I have also given you cleanness of teeth in your cities, which means God says uh, you're, you're starting to, to have lack of food. And want of bread in all your places, yet ye have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. I also have withholden the rain from you, when there were yet three months to the harvest, and I cause it to rain upon one city and cause it not to rain upon another city one piece was rained upon another piece it rained not and withered so two or three cities wandered into one city to drink water but they were not satisfied yet have ye not returned unto me saith the Lord I have smitten you with blasting and mildew when your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive trees increased the palmerworm devoured them yet ye have put yet ye have not returned unto me saith the Lord. I have sent among you the pestilence after the manner of Egypt. And your young men I have slain with the sword. I have taken away your, ho- your, your horses, and I have made the stink of your camps to come up into your nostrils. Yet ye have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. God often brings problems into our lives, so we'll turn to him. Yes, you need to humble yourself. Yes, you need to submit to him. Are you willing to fulfill that condition? We're living in a generation that is seeing something of worldwide impact. No matter what you believe on the pandemic, the reality is this. Businesses have shut down. Businesses have gone down. People have been restricted. Our human rights have been restricted. And if any people of all the planet ought to be returning to God and saying, God, would you you intervene? Not merely for my comfort. Would you intervene in my life spiritually? What are you doing in my life? What do you want of me? Or would God say, I brought this, and I brought this, and I brought this into your life, yet you have not returned to me? May God help us to realize if I'll come in humility and truth to the Lord with a genuine need, Say, Lord, are you willing to help me? What do you think he'd say? I am willing. Jesus delights to help those who seek him in humility and in truth. Let's pray. Father, we as your church, and again, I'm not saying everyone in here is a Christian. The the group is too large. I, I don't know people's hearts. If it was one, I don't know People's hearts. But Lord, for those of us who have been saved, you certainly have, have blessed us in many ways, and yet, Lord, there are also things that you brought into our lives. Things that could be chastening, things that could be wake-up calls. Oh Lord, may we in all in these situations turn back to you in humility and in honesty and in submission. Like that leper that came before thee fell on his face and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can help me. By the way, the people in here, probably almost every family in here has unsaved loved ones they're concerned about. Should be. Every family in here has issues and different things they're concerned about. Spiritual things, eternal things, things that matter. Lord, may we, may we bring them in front of thee in humility and submission, asking for your intervention because you are willing to to help. You do care. And I pray for any who may be here and they've, they've been in the chains of sin. They've been bound. Oh Lord, help them to understand that if they will come in humility and truth to the Savior, He will save them. You are willing. And I thank you for that. But there's not a person that's ever come in genuine submission and humility before thee, who has not been born again. Oh, Lord, we pray for that to take place even today. And we pray for Christians, myself included, be brought back to our knees before thee because we want to be there. And seeing our need and the needs of people around us and caring enough and realizing you are the one, the one answer. We pray these things for your glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. With the heads bowed for just a moment. Would there be someone here and you say, Pastor, I I, I don't know that I'm saved. Maybe I thought I was too far gone. Jesus is willing. Are you? If you're here and you say, Pastor, I'd I'd like to talk to somebody about accepting Christ. If you just lift a hand so I can see it. Don't let me miss it if, if that's where you're at. Okay, I'm not seeing any hands, but if I missed you, please come and see me. Maybe there's a Christian here and you'd say, you know, I've, I've, I've got issues. And something's been going through my brain. Is, I can see it's not God saying, God's not willing to help me. God doesn't care about me. That's a lie. If you'll humble yourself before him, he will answer. I don't need a raise of hands on this. I just ask that before God, you'll determine by your grace, God, I'm going to cry out to you because I know you are willing to help me. And bring that burden before him right now. Father, as we close, we give these burdens to thee that these loved ones, these dear saints are bearing. Lord, I've got them. They've got them. You are willing to help. We claim that, we trust that, we hang on to that. And for any that are still lost, oh Lord, awaken them, we pray in your mercy.
1: We pray this for your honor and glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Can you think of troubles and afflictions that God has brought into your life? Have you turned to God in your suffering and asked for his help? Or have you gone on seeking to solve your problems without him? Why not turn to God today in humility and sincerity? Remember, God gives grace to the humble. If you would like some extra spiritual help like counseling prayer or some help with questions from the Bible, you can email us at help at cawkinsbaptistchurch.com. Calkins is spelled C-A-L-K-I-N-S. Again, that email address is help at com. Maybe while you were listening, someone came to your mind who could profit from this message. You can send your friend a link to this podcast at RadioBold.com slash CalkinsBaptist. As we leave you today, we pray that this broadcast has been a beacon of hope in your life to point you to the light of the world, Jesus Christ. May God's richest blessings come upon you. Thanks for listening.